0: Good evening, everybody. You are listening to a Rattledge Broadcasting premiere podcast, The Long Road to Ruin. And I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, I have a special guest, someone who, this is her first time appearing on camera for one of my podcasts. She did her own thing, an offshoot of the Rattledge in Broadcasting. She did the Feminist Perspective, on Black Widow with other uh, and Broadcasting special guests Elizabeth Faust, but you've also heard her on the Long Road to Ruin for Twilight and uh, everyone's favorite podcast. That time I got angry because I got because I didn't want to hear any more complaints about the Big Bang Theory, and so me half talked about the Big Bang Theory and half made fun of my friends. Ladies and gentlemen, my <laughs> lovely wife, the mother of my children. <laughs> My needy princess. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's me. Melissa Rattledge, how do you do, madam? I'm good. So uh, we are talking the Fifty Shades trilogy, which consists of Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, and Fifty Shades Freed. These are adaptations of BDSM erotica romance novels written by... The bane of English literature, uh, <laughs> as I know where to be, um, E.L. James, S. which uh, I believe he started out from what I've been told as Twilight fan fiction, and then, it was. an agreement with the devil, a curse upon humanity, and the stars and moons aligning just right, produced this phenomena <laughs> that turned into one of, I think, the seventh highest grossing R rated film series in the history of motion pictures what a treat melissa this is to talk sexy books with you this (laughs) evening how do you feel about that that's my
1: favorite yeah let's talk
0: about that for a moment (laughs) shall we (laughs) um so we used to be smart people you and i we're so smart (laughs) we used to be intellectuals and (laughs) and then much like bill cosby then we had children and brains started dripping out of our heads um I used to read a lot of nonfiction, current affairs, history, stuff like that. You used to be big into the uh, historical fiction, you yeah, like the Downton Abbey stuff, like that. Rain. Um, what happened? Because you made a left turn at Albuquerque and landed in smutty fiction for some
1: somehow. So, in all, tr- the reality is it did start with historical fiction because okay. the, the catalyst of all of this was bridgerton coming out on netflix and and watching that binging that i mean i think i finished it in one day because i was like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life it's like everything i love mm-hmm. and realizing they were books getting access to the books reading them and realizing oh this is fun are they and sexy then- books
0: are they like with a little bit of Whoa. You know, they're they're
1: tame in comparison to a lot of the stuff well, I read when now.
0: you're reading about like Hades like beating on somebody with a oh. whip or whatnot, yes, yes, I get that. Charlotte
1: but. St. Clair is like, <laughs> oh, but, but answer,
0: answer my look you got to understand something. This is the Rattling Broadcasting Network, the home of nerds, neckbeards, and people who don't leave the house. They don't know nothing about no Bridgerton. They don't know especially about the books.
1: Perhaps they should, though, because that might bode well for them.
0: It might. What I'm trying to tell you is, are the Bridgerton books, would you say that they're of a romantic kind?
1: Yes, 100%, but they're tame romance in comparison. Okay. that's, That's the catalyst for this. And then... You know, girls being girls, when you get together for brunch, boozy brunch, as we do, Booty you start brunch. talking about what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I read this. And then mm-hmm. somebody says, oh, wait, but you need to read this. And and um, my my dealer uh, happened to be a good friend of ours. And she she's the one who said, okay, I've got better. And okay. she... Uh, Turned me on to she's the one, the Scarlet St. Clair, um, A Touch of Darkness books, which is a play on Hades and Persephone. Which is why I say to you, I am still learned because I was reading mythology, it just was smutty mythology.
0: I got it. sex, sexy Greek mythology. Got sexy it, Greek mythology. Okay, so that's how we get the learning done. We just throw the yeah. word sexy in front of it. Why we have one, it. 100%. Okay,
1: hey, cool. it's better than the Disney porn. Okay.
0: Now you please now please be because I know everyone listening to this just went all right what kind of slash fiction is she into what kind of hentai hentai sentai common writer did you find please explain what you mean by disney smut
1: So there is this amazing author her name is Katie Robert and she loves disney movies and she decided to take her disney take disney movies I mean take disney characters that we all know and love and and make them sexual deviants and place it into <laughs> a BDSM club uh-huh. run by Hades and Meg and Hercules.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, you've got Jafar taking ownership of Jasmine and you've got Hook. Like,
0: wait, like taking ownership of Jasmine in the smutty, uh, oh, yeah. creeping beauty kind of books oh, that I bought you for Christmas? Yeah, like- there's
1: not... Yeah, that the first the first incident, there's not a whole lot of consent. Um <laughs> Okay.
0: I, I don't want to I I don't want to say what you what you just said because it's YouTube and I don't want to get demonetized, but lack of consent. And you're into this sort of thing, eh? You
1: know what can I say? Okay. I, okay. I have I have a streak and it's a mile. <laughs> this is why you married me.
0: This is the best podcast I've ever done. And it's only <laughs> seven minutes into it. All right. So you start off with watching the Downton Abbey and the Bridgerton and the rain and the whatnot. And, and then you get into reading the books and the books get smuttier and smuttier and smuttier. And so take me to how you landed on the 50 shades
1: books. So our mutual friend, um, Mm -hmm. the books were her favorite. Um, I guess that was her. She's not
0: a dope either. She's actually a smart person, educated, highly educated, master's
1: degree holding upstanding citizen of the, community. Okay, and she like, like these,
0: I and she like these books that I have been told are a insult to the English language and everything that gets in their way.
1: Yeah, well, but, but okay. okay, but and we'll talk about that in a minute. But yes, yeah, you know, but that's the thing though is this is not meant to be classic literature that we're going to study for generations. This is meant to not. Be, no, this is meant okay. to be escape, because let's face it, is it like to say is- it's
0: the Star Wars of smut?
1: I mean, it's, it's <laughs> meh, I guess it's mainstream. I just want
0: to say that to piss people off. Go on. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. It's mainstream. <laughs> but I mean, but like, that's the reality. Like, look, when you read a book, especially when you have a lot of anxiety or stress or, you know, your job is not an easy job and it has a lot of demand, you don't want to be in reality right. and who, and what, I mean, in all truthfulness, what 30 something year old woman doesn't want to be thrust into a world where she's, you know, dating a billionaire who gives her everything she wants and and more. I think she didn't know she wanted. I mean, come on, that's like
0: I have a premise here. I was thinking about this while I was driving to work this morning. Okay. That a th- probably if you need to do a side-by-side comparison of men to women, um besides that boys I really want to do the, the kindergarten cop joke, but I'm trying to hold
1: myself back. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> men are from Mars and women are from Venus. but <laughs> Close
0: enough. Boys have the power fantasy. We see mm-hmm. Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. And we want to project ourselves into these very defined, almost very rigidly structured Uh, characters that are heroes of stories, they get the girl, they save the day, they do heroic deeds, they fight the good fight. And we as young boys see that and go, I want that. You know, once upon a time, that would have been like G.I. Joe, He-Man, that sort of thing. Um, For girls, I think the equivalent, like power fantasy is the princess fantasy. It is, I am, you know, I am just an ordinary girl, but someone sees something within me that makes that he deems it's the Cinderella fantasy yeah I'm special among all these other girls I am the most specialist I am selected and brought into this wonderful world or you know then you can kind of
1: yeah it's it's not a damsel in distress thing right because that's not what any of this is it's not being sorry your mug is green so it goes (laughs) like
0: ghost drink
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway squirrel Um, but it's not, it's not the damsel in distress thing because that's not what any of this is. It's Mm -hmm. the, I'm a plain and ordinary person. I'm not, I'm not special. Nothing about me stands out, but here's this, this validation
0: fantasy. Powerful.
1: Yeah, it is. It's validation. And that's, I think that's the ultimate fantasy for most women, average Mm -hmm. women. I think most average women, that's what they want. They want validation of you are amazing just as you are.
0: So if this is a, so if this is a, if the princess fantasy is the validation fantasy for women, then it it holds, I think that, um, these 50 shades books are a adult interpretation of the princess fantasy.
1: Kind of, but here's my thing. It's not just princess. It's not princess necessarily. It really is I am a normal, average person mm-hmm. who is good and kind, you know, and good, who's good and kind. Mm-hmm. And I am recognized by a prince mm-hmm. as being something more than what everybody sees me as.
0: Cause I remember way back when, when we talked Twilight, it was a lot of the same thing. Bella Swan was an ordinary girl in ordinary an ordinary girl. world, and she was kind of broken, and she was selected amongst this group of princes. To say you are amongst all the other pretty girls, you are the bestest, yep. and come with me into my fantasy land where you will be made to feel special, exactly. Um, only you'll be a vampire, yep. Um, you know, what, glittery vampire, right. the it's- best kind of vampires, glittery they kind. Well.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have zero friends left. All right, moving on. Um
1: that's okay my friends love you so it's fine (laughs) you can come to girl you can come to boozy brunch with us
0: so tell me about let's get into the actual books themselves 50 shades of gray free uh darker and then freed um just kind of give me like a 50 words or less here tell me about the books what you got out of the books what are they about because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we don't need to go into specific detail because we're gonna reference them as we talk about the films but just sort of as a basis like you're reading these things and they are what
1: um, you've got your plain old regular ordinary girl right. who is seen to be something more by a very powerful, very rich, very broken man. Yes. Um, and she is inexperienced in life and love and he, is I see a virgin
0: in the book when they meet. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a huge thing in the first book. Um, but you know, he sees her. As something more. And, you know, she kind of fixes him. And she, he, I don't even want to say fixes her because that's not what it is. Like she's, mm-hmm. she's a relatively strong independent character through the books. Um, if not a little whiny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's that, you know, it's that idea that I can, I can help him. I can fix him. I can care for him. I can.
0: Which is from what I've been told, a very strong impulse in women.
1: Oh, yes. There's <laughs>
0: <Exactly. laughs> um, this is perfectly t- nice guy over here who's relatively sane, yes. got his crap together. And then there's broken, you know, the hor- <laughs> horse guy Johnson McGee. I can fix him. <laughs> I want him. And there's the four nice guy going, but I'm okay. I'm not broken. I'm not broken.
1: But that's it. But it goes back to, and I'm sure a lot of feminist women hear me say these things and they're like, Oh my God, she's horrible for womankind. But there is an innate need or desire. I think in most women Mm -hmm. to, to care. I, I, truly believe it is embedded in our dna
0: i it's believe why other social we, scientists would agree with you that yeah it's that why
1: we're mothers you know they are I mean? giving
0: it's like, embedded in your dna it
1: is it would it's have to be
0: you're, you're the people carrying our children and te- you know attending yeah. to the home and the most basic and right. primitive of situations
1: and so when you see someone who is so damaged and so broken like yeah it, it triggers a lot of things to make mm-hmm. you want to help and fix i mean okay
0: But most importantly, and what everyone's here to talk about, get to the beating and the fussing and the fighting and the whipping.
1: So the (laughs) whole thing is-
0: The chips, dips, the chains, the whips. Go.
1: So she's extremely, she is a virgin. Um, Mm You know, he meets, he he meets her. It's completely accidental that she ends up um, being, you know, introduced to him basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And something about her awkwardness and klutziness, he thinks like, oh, here's the perfect submissive. And Because what guys want
0: is a girl that can't run fast away from them. Hang
1: okay, on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me hang on now. can sense the name of the game. Um, anyway, so, you know, he sees this perfect submissive and she's inexperienced, but she sees this man who's showing, you know, showing her attention and, and wanting to, and she wants to fix him too, you know, to a right. degree. And I, I think she's curious as... A lot of people would be um, mm-hmm. in these situations, and he introduces her to his BDSM lifestyle. He he tends to think he's a masochist. No, mm-hmm. he's a sadist. Yes, I always confuse those. He's a, he you know he'll say he's a sadist. Um, his therapist says he is not because that's not a real thing. Um, you know, but for him, he's using the lifestyle to cope with mm-hmm. his really crappy background. Um, childhood, and she is finding that she enjoys it to a degree, um, sure. and so it's really it's watching how she kind of grows and learns about her own sexuality, um, and how he starts to kind of finally let her in and and help him fix himself. Um, and,
0: and it's he- okay that it's not the most uh, it's not the most intelligently written thing because what's what what the joy of reading these books is reading the sexy parts I'm guessing I mean and the sexy parts come across just fine
1: the sexy parts are fun but there's other mm-hmm. stuff too i mean come on like look in all truthfulness let's let's be honest mm-hmm. yeah these are very like i read twilight i loved twilight when i was mm-hmm. in my early 20s cuz i was a little older when they came out i was not the the target i was not the target demographic for that but i enjoyed them okay those are <laughs> just awful um, now, as an adult, okay. now as an adult, like, thinking back on them, like, holy cow, those were terribly written. Okay. Um,
0: Stephanie Meyer had difficulty stringing two sentences together?
1: She just didn't build enough of a story. Okay. These, to me, are a much better character development. Um, okay. And, and they're not awful. Like, you find yourself, you either love Christian Grey... Or you love Anastasia Steele. Mm -hmm. I love Christian Grey. Um, In fact, there's three more of them. So you have the Fifty Shades series. But then you've got Grey, Freed, and um, Darker, Darker, which are written from his perspective. And those are even better.
0: Okay. And they're written Um, by a different writer?
1: No, same writer. It's E.L. James. Really? Yeah.
0: So she learned how to write over time.
1: She was never a horrible writer. Okay. Like the people that are saying these are the worst thing ever written. Like I questioned, did you actually read them? Okay, because I've fair. read worse. Have um, you?
0: Name yeah. one. Name what, what's the worst thing of this category of books? And then we'll get, get into the film. What's the worst thing you've read? What is like rock stupid?
1: Oh, um. Oh, there's been a few. Um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this isn't doing it for me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: i i have i have not finished i have got, i have dnf'd a couple of them mm-hmm. um but i and i can't think of them off the top of my head but DNF? there are you few people have where... your
0: own code words yeah you you, you book talk people
1: of course <laughs> D- but that okay. said, dnf is a common anybody who's a reader would talk mm-hmm. about dnfing
0: okay well where i'm from is dms dropping many suckers all right <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know how to tell you this but you're <laughs> a white boy.
0: Hang on.
1: That's All a grasshopper. Right. It's a cricket. No, that's not a cricket.
0: That's cricket on my soundboard.
1: Okay, well, Stop. the picture is not a cricket.
0: <laughs> Stop arguing with me already. All right, let's that's get into <laughs> let's get into Fifty Shades of Gray. Yeah. Uh, so Fifty Shades of Gray came out February thirteenth, twenty fifteen, in the United States. It was directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Uh, Sam Taylor Johnson, you might know from A Million Little Pieces, uh, Nowhere Boy, not a whole lot of other things. This is one of those Marvel situations where they selected somebody with like, yeah, they, they selected somebody with like no filmography, practically. And like, here, direct this major motion picture. Okay. Um, it stars Dakota Johnson, who's currently being tagged to play Madam Web for some odd reason in the, in the Sony Spider-Man movies. And Jamie Dornan, who was just in Belfast, currently nominated for a Best Picture Award. Um, so, 21-year-old Anastasia Anna Steele is an English literature major, because of course she is, at Washington mm-hmm. State University. Satellite, you know, in all of these things with this, you, some other stuff that I've dealt with, the woman's always some sort of English major. Have you noticed that?
1: Well, do you know why? I, or this why is, is my that? Theory. My theory is because a lot of the time when you deal with an English major, they're, mm-hmm. they are they've read all the classic romance. Uh-huh. So they're trying to juxtapose that classic romance with... I see.
0: Gotcha. Uh, it's that. At Washington State University satellite campus near Vancouver, Washington. When her roommate Kate Kavanaugh, as opposed to Peter Parker or, <laughs> or Reed Richards, becomes ill and is unable to interview Christian Gray, a 27-year-old billionaire, entrepreneur, uh, for the college newspaper, Anna agrees to go in and takes her place. At Christian's Seattle headquarters, she stumbles her way through the meeting. Christian, who is that year's WSU commencement speaker, takes an interest in her. Soon after, he visits the hardware store where Anna works and offers to do a photo shoot to accompany the article she had interviewed for him. Uh, Christian invites Anna for coffee, but leaves abruptly after she confesses to being a romantic, saying he is not the man for her. He later sends her first edition copies of two Thomas Hardy novels, including Tessa of D'Uberville's As a Gift, with a quote from the latter book about the dangers of relationships on an, on, on an accompanying card. Anna and her friends celebrate graduation at a local bar. After drinking too much, she spontaneously calls Christian, saying she is returning the books and berating, don't you understand, mm-hmm. his behavior towards her. He goes to the bar to find her, and she, uh, and then she passes out, like you do. Anna wakes up the next morning in Christian's hotel room, relieved they were not intimate. Anna and Christian begin seeing each other, though he insists that she sign a non-disclosure agreement, preventing her from revealing details about their dalliance. He explains he has bondage relationships, but only as clearly defined in a contract because there's nothing sexier than legal work.
1: Consent, (laughs) baby, consent. (laughs) It's the name of the game. (sighs)
0: That's consent between the participants. Anna reveals that she is a virgin, while consent... While considering the agreement and negotiating her own terms after visiting his playroom, the Red Room.
1: The Red Room room of Pain.
0: Yeah, baby. A room stocked with a variety of BDSM toys, furniture, gear, and various paraphernalia. She and Christian have sex, and she loses her virginity, because that's her in the corner. But she loses it
1: in his bedroom, not in the Red Room of Pain.
0: We'll talk about it. She also meets his mother. Anna asks Christian how many girls he had lived in his house while, uh, while he takes her home. Christian bestows a series of gifts and favors upon Anna, including a new car and a laptop computer. After she and Kate move to Seattle, she continues seeing him during dinner at his parents. Anna suddenly mentions she is leaving the next day to visit her mother, Georgia. Later, Christian becomes frustrated, I'll say, when, mm-hmm. he, <laughs> when she says she wants more than a one-sided relationship. He proposes she is shocked when Christian shows up in Georgia. He takes her flying, but leaves soon afterward to attend an emergency in Seattle. After returning home, Anna continues seeing Christian, who wants further sexual experimentation. She initially consents, but he keeps emotionally distant, upsetting her. While still considering the contract and in an effort to understand Christian psychologically, Anna asks him to demonstrate how he would punish her for rule-breaking. He whips her buttocks with a belt. Upset and disgusted, Anna breaks up with Christian, and concluding he is wrong for her and his practices are deviant and excessive. All right, Melissa, let's get into this. <laughs> deviancy um so i watched this with you and i've actually seen i'd actually seen the third one a couple years ago with a friend of mine from work she, you know i wanted to hang out with her and she wanted to see this nonsense so i went with her so i'd never seen the first one i've heard everything that everyone else has heard about it Boy, if you cut the bdsm out of this it is a, this is a short run time this is like a like a sitcom <laughs> like these are some yeah. long scenes of intimacy yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Which, not a whole lot of story.
1: No, and that's the and okay, so here's here's my thing. Here's my complaint. And I'm so glad my friend was like read the books first because and read all of them. Because there's so much more going on in this story than mm. sex. There's yeah. so much more going on between these two humans than sex. There are multiple complex relationships. Um, that they never address in any way, shape, or form. Um, so when we watched the movie, like, I was so disappointed mm-hmm. in, in like, how it really was just, you know, softcore porn.
0: Yeah. Watching it, see, I, I was talking to you as we watched the movie, and you get more of a sense of his trauma in the second movie, which I think is ultimately the... Here's Here's the thing. And we'll talk about this a little bit more at length in a few minutes when we get to the second one. But I think the second one's a more interesting and a better made movie. I think most people agree it's it's probably the best yeah. of the trilogy, the second one. But if you're... if when You figure out that a lot of the story in the 50-stage trilogy is uh, about trauma. And that's what makes the second one a much more interesting watch. But you go to it like you would go to... You know like a star wars or you go to a marvel movie you go for the action here you're going for the romance you're going for the bdsm yeah show you bought a ticket and you showed up to see this man whip this girl yeah you know and tie her up blindfold her do all these things to her okay you came for the sex yeah and the first movie to its credit i think focuses on that it's like is this what you want is this how you like it here it is 90 minutes of this nonsense the problem, the problem is, like you said, it's almost structured like a Skinnamax movie. Um, I also think that the director didn't was so focused on because, like, the actual intimacy scenes are not badly done. I think, I think when they're when they're there, I think it's as tastefully shot as you can do this sort of medium. Yeah, for um, sure. But I don't think she knew. It's kind of a George Lucas thing where I don't think she knew how to talk to people. Mm. And get to, and get them to perform dramatically the way she needed to.
1: It was so stiff. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was.
0: I'll, I'll say
1: <laughs> it was painful. Like in mm-hmm. all truthfulness, like I, I just remember. I think the whole time you and I were watching it, I just kept looking at you, going, "Why did they pick these people? Like they're and not they're working." Con- for me. Well, that's the
0: thing, you know. Dakota Johnson I think it's unfairly maligned because of this first movie the way that Kristen Stewart got unfairly maligned with Twilight Yeah, where, like everyone says Kristen Stewart can't act because of Twilight everyone says Dakota Johnson can't act because of this Except that both of them have been in things where they They were performances were phenomenal currently Kristen Stewart up for best actress for that nonsense. That was Spencer Yeah,
1: you, know, you know everybody has to have a start somewhere. Um, I think the bigger issue was more connected to you're right. Bad directing or bad, bad. Yeah, bad direction. Bad, and I think there was a lack of chemistry between her, um, and Dornan. Okay. In that first do one, th- I
0: was gonna say, does, do you feel like the chemistry gets better over the course of the next two films? It
1: improved, but here's my thing. Like, and as we've said, they're both probably phenomenal actors. You know, in undoubtedly. Other things, but for me, for him, you know Dornan was not Christian Grey for me. He was not charismatic enough. He was not I don't know. He there was something missing there.
0: What is what is going on with this character in the book that there seems to be a deficit in the um, uh, in the portrayal of the in the movie.
1: When I read him, when I read him, I mm-hmm. see him yes, I see him as kind of brooding and withdrawn. Mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But I don't see him as being so, like, monotone and flat. Okay. Which is how I felt like it was portrayed, so it was, especially for, in that first one.
0: So for you, uh, James Dornan lacks any kind of dynamic range yeah. in the first movie. Yeah. Okay. And what about Dakota Johnson? Where is she falling flat versus her characterization in the book?
1: True. It Honestly, she, to me, it was like she watched a bunch of Twilight and she's like, well, this is Twilight fanfic. So let me try to be Kristen
0: Stewart. <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay. So her problem was she's doing a bad Kristen Stewart impression from yeah. Twilight.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. how it
2: felt.
0: Let me be mopey in a chair for a good 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the other, like, I want to go back to this and then there's not, not a whole lot more to say about this book, about this movie. Like I said, it, there's two or three, four different scenes of them in various uh sexual encounters. The most interesting one is actually at the end, and it was funny because I would start this movie's runtime is roughly uh my god, this is over two hours. Yeah, no wonder no, no wonder I had such difficulty with this. This is a 90-minute movie that was that was multiplied by two <laughs> by two. Yeah. Um, but those th- those scenes need room to breathe, and I think that's done well. I'd say, like, positive things about this movie is this: the, the most important scenes, the thing that brings everyone to this, had plenty of room to breathe. They were not rushed. Um, I know that there was details in them that you talked about, like him having the jeans and stuff. Like, yeah. So, the, the, in your opinion, based on how they're described in the book, did she at least nail those scenes?
1: Um, kind of. Okay. They're, so here, my my issue was they didn't build enough tension. Okay. Because in those first initial encounters, mm-hmm. um, you know, she is extremely inexperienced and you know, he's this, you know, figure of lust for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel like they did a good enough job of building that sexual tension. Okay. Um, I felt like it was too easy. Interesting. You know, like everything was like, just, it just took no effort.
0: So the first time they get together, they just have good old fashioned regular uh, An sex. Yeah. yeah. And then there's one or two more scenes of him showing her the red room. And then the finale sequence is him punishing her. And I think we need to talk about that because Mm -hmm. there was a conversation that you and I had relative to um, what is good old-fashioned BDSM playing and what is punishment and what defines these two things. And so basically, he gets mad at her. And, yeah, you know, and
1: that's what happens is he, he takes her to the room in anger.
0: Right. Um, <clears throat> there's an, for him, and then this goes to his trauma, which is not at all explored in this first movie. Not at all. He is seeking to make sure all the, all, all the variables in his life right. are very clearly defined and stable and structured and when he introduces people into his life they too need to be very precisely prescribed uh, a role and they need to stay in that role and they need to do as they're told and that's kind of it yeah um and so he gets with this w- with her and she's like um yeah i don't want any of those things i i like you i like spending time with you but i, I want not-
1: more there's there's a whole yeah. thing about i want more
0: but she also does not want to there's a phrase that you that, that gets thrown around in these three movies that you and I have talked about and it's topping from the bottom you know so there's being completely submissive, which is right. you know you give in to things like you can't go visit your mom in Georgia um, or something that you know we talked about in the movie secretary, which you loved um, <laughs> with Maggie Gillenall where James Spader calls her up at dinnertime and says only okay, a scoop of mashed potatoes, four peas and all the ice cream you want yeah you know and there's people that are like yeah totally that's I'm, I'm up for constantly being told what to do and having no free will um and then i just wrote a song about it. it's called happiness and slavery for her that's not what she's looking for no and um and that is essentially the sum total of the dramatic conflict in this movie
1: yes she wants a relationship like mm-hmm. she doesn't want to have a contract with all these pre- because here's the other side of it. There's a whole scene about the contract and I can't remember if that's mm-hmm. the first one or the second one now, mm-hmm. but there's a whole scene about the contract and like the,
0: the sexy contract signing.
1: Yeah. And that and <laughs> them going,
0: which cause I've watched too much wrestling. I kept waiting for him to powerbomb her through the table.
1: Close enough. Um, <laughs> but like where they I go through, <laughs> yeah, where they go through step by step and like his, Previous subs had like prescribed diets that they were following. They mm-hmm. had to go to the gym certain days. They wore clothing that he picked out for them. You know, he really had their the hair time. done the way he wanted it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole thing that they don't ever address about like when he's looking for a sub, it's a girl that looks like his mother. His deceased. yeah, that's not
0: explored in the movie at
2: all.
1: At all. And that's huge because that's one of the big things, and it actually in later books and movie, and in you know in the movie, it's supposed to trigger conflict between them because you know she kind of looks at him and she's like, "I'm not your mother. I didn't. Which you know, I'm I'm not a crack whore."
0: Um, Which is an interesting thing because you know the old chestnut about you know girls marry their fathers, boys marry their mom, and it would be an interesting thing to see you know explored in a romance novel, and maybe it is in the books. But it's definitely not in this movie.
1: No, it's I a mean, pointed at they... for
0: maybe a hundred miles
2: away.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they talk about in the books pretty extensively about like every one of his previous subs, including Anastasia, all have brown hair like his mother. You know, all kind mm-hmm. of built like his mother, look like his mother because you know he was looking to take care of them, and because he didn't, he couldn't take care of his mother. He couldn't save his mother he's looking to them to save them and take care of them. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the whole thing that to me, they really didn't explore well enough is his need for these relationship because he wants control and to keep them safe from the things he could keep his mother safe from. Right. Um, and then for the women who get involved in these relationships with the exception of Anastasia, like it's their desire to be, cared for and to have those kind of mental burdens taken away from them mm. um, for whatever reason that they need. And um, yeah, they never touched any of the psychological stuff, which is addressed really well in the book because one of the central, you know, a really important character in the books is his psychiatrist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you, that character is never introduced, which really ticked me off because I loved that character in the book because I loved how he handled Christian and I loved how he handled Anastasia, um, and there's some other situations that, you know, happened that he the the psychiatrist was very involved in, and it, it's so it was a big bummer like that that never came into the play in the movies.
0: So just talking about these this final scene in the movie, um, the big conclusion, the big part where Luke blows up the Death Star. Uh, <laughs> keep just keep making Star Wars comparisons. I know <laughs> um, is after she she goes to Georgia she she he didn't want her to she's doing a couple of other things that ticks him off and he's feeling very much out of control the whole thing is triggering for him and he's like you need to be punished and she's like "Ooh, punish me and then he's like no like you're gonna get it you know and then it's like over the head with a chair and you know blah, blah.
1: <laughs> well that no but she says to him she's like you want to punish me you're mad so mm-hmm. show me what is show me what it would really be yeah,
0: like. Show me what this is like. You wanted to quick just like fifty words or less describe exactly what he does to her, and then because because in effect it she's like nope this is ugly this is this is not what I signed on for this we have we have left the realm of pleasure and we have gone strictly into okay. I was going to say abuse. This got no, abusive it, for it, her.
1: It, it was his sadism. You know what I mean? Like in all lists, that's where. truth, well,
0: from it. her perspective, it became abusive. It yeah. was, I'm being beat on essentially. Well, you're,
1: you're taking your anger out on me. You right, know, the whole right. thing was always, yeah, the whole thing was always, if this is happening, it's happening because. It's
0: dehumanizing. The yeah. last thing she says is she's running out. She's like, I will never let you do that to me again. The subtext of which is, I will not let you dehumanize me. I will not let you, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, not humiliate, but something along those lines.
1: It's not quite degradation, but it's close. That's where
0: I was going with that. Yes. Degra- I will not let you degrade me as a person. Um, yeah. and she, you know, she walks out with her clothing, you know, <laughs> with the clothing in her arms and she heads for the elevator, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. But um, so what specifically though does he do to her that 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 drives this? Uh, oh, to he the beats
1: her point? with a belt, like mm-hmm. hard because okay. he's not he's doing it out of anger in every other situation where Pain has come into play. It's pain for pleasure,
0: right? So, and, yes, he,
1: there's and he and he reframes
0: it though. In, in his mind, he's like, "I didn't do anything. I said I wasn't going to do. You consented." No, he you, knows
1: he crossed a line. I think.
0: I they maybe.
1: No, I I'm, think he knew. I think he knew absolutely what was. you then
0: if you if if that's the case, you're reading into it. That's not what's explicitly shown in the movie. In oh, the God, movie but
1: that's the problem, in the
0: movie everything. Nothing, with in the movie, he's very much like. You agreed to this. We had a safe word, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, like he threw up all of these things, almost like a gaslighting situation. And then when she finally is like, nope, and nope's out of the room, you know, yes, you can see on his face, Jamie Dorn does a really good job of portraying somebody who knows deep down he messed up, but he's hanging, but he was definitely hanging on to, well, you brought this on yourself.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, I no, I but see I disagree with you I don't think I don't think that I think because if you because no contract was signed Mm -hmm. so he did all of this and he didn't have a signed contract and he knew so for him it really I do truly believe based on what I've read and based on what you see in the movie Mm -hmm. he did have that realization of oh I I did let my anger get the best of me and i did do this you out had of, the
0: benefit of reading the book though so you have a little bit more insight as to what's going on in that scene than i do i can only go off what i saw in the movie right. what i saw in, and that's what my interpretation was also maybe you know i'm a guy who godly knows what other variables there are here
1: <laughs> but that's uh, that's the beauty of anything mm-hmm. is you know everybody's perspective gets to be their own
0: yeah so. i'll tell you melissa movies not great as we know And it could have been written better. And do you know what could have made the writing better in Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie?
1: Could that be Grammarly, Mark? It could be
0: Melissa Rattledge from the Screaming Boy podcast. Um, (laughs) Yep, everyone's from the Screaming Boy podcast now. Hi, Ronnie. Okay. Um, For you listeners of the Screaming Boy podcast, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. I don't know why I think that's funny, but it amuses me, so I'm going to keep doing it. Um, Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash w2mnetwork. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash w2mnetwork. <laughs> Ronnie's just now responding to me um oh God! To, uh to download Grammarly today go to get slash w2m network again it's get slash w2m network to download grammarly for free <laughs> Can I so, tell you- hang okay. on ronnie's been writing me this whole time and jason's been in and out of the chat too this is the one thing i'm gonna put from ronnie on the board here for everyone's uh, amusement
1: Great <laughs> um i was gonna say so grammarly because Mm-hmm. You know, I'm connected to you and I use YouTube in my classroom. Yes. I get a lot of grammarly <laughs> um, <laughs> grammarly uh, advertisements when we're in the classroom. And it cracked Good. me up because my whole class will all of, like it'll come up and all of my little second graders will hear them go, It's Grammarly! And they get all excited <laughs> because Grammarly on the screen. That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> Grammarly helping the youth of today learn to read and shit. Yep. Um, all right. So we move on to 50 Shades Darker and we get an upgrade here. Get an increase in the budget. We also get a better director <laughs> this time around. This is James Foley. Uh, who's got quite a number of great pictures to his name, not the least of which was Glenn, Gla- Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, but he also directed Two Bits, The Chamber, Fear, The Corrupter, Confidence, and Perfect Stranger, before he got to Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed. So um, obviously, a oh, he also directed Who's That Girl, which I know the critics don't like, but hey, big Madonna fan over here, so I love Who's That Girl. Who's that girl? Who's that girl? Um, in television, he you married me. Uh, I,
1: that he, was what was in my head.
0: <laughs> he also directed some, some episodes of television. He directed 12 episodes of House of Cards. He directed two episodes of Billions, one of Wayward Pines, one of Hannibal, one of Robert Winfrey's uh, favorite shows, Gun and Twin Peaks. He also directed a couple of music videos for Madonna, uh, Live to Tell, Papa Don't Preach and True Blue. Uh, all right. So this came out in February, uh, Fe- February 10th of 2017. Uh, both all of these movies, like I said, have been wildly successful. I think the first one, um, the budget was 40 million and it made uh, just north of uh, 569 million. So a wild, smashing success worthy of discussion and interpretation uh people people um this one didn't do nearly as well um but i think that a lot of people were like like you just sort of irritated with how bad the first one was and didn't want to go back to the second on a budget of 55 million it made 381 million dollars and um interestingly enough though melissa yes at the 38th golden raspberry awards the film received nine nominations including worst picture worst actor for jamie dornan Worst actress for Johnson and one, two for worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel. And worst supporting actress for Kim Basinger. Oh, I don't know how yes. fair that is. Okay, well, the Kim Basinger thing, yes. I don't know about the rest of that, though. Yeah.
1: I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was better than the second one. But truthfully, the the subject matter, the second book is better. Okay. Um, so, I really liked the second book.
0: So just like 50 words or less on the second book.
1: Um, It's kind of them coming back together. Mm-hmm. And her learning more about him and his trauma Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and her getting to kind of see firsthand how his life kind of came to be the way it came to be. Mm -hmm. Um, We get introduced to how he got, you know, we learn how he became involved in the lifestyle. We meet a former
0: so it sounds like the book is a lot more richer in detail.
1: Yeah. A uh, lot time. more
0: complex than the first one. Big time. Okay. And better then this, story,
1: definitely a better story.
0: And do you feel like the we am going to read the plot synopsis in just a second, but <clears throat> do you feel like the second second movie does a better job of interpreting interpreting the source material this time around?
1: I mean, they made a better effort. They still miss a lot, but they made a better effort. <clears throat>
0: is it Are you having a Tom Bombadil situation? You know you've heard me yell. You've heard me yell. Oh no! The Lord of the Rings movies didn't include Tom Bombadil. Where's Tom Bombadil? And everyone gets mad because the Lord of the Rings movies don't have Tom Bombadil from the books, and therefore it's a poor interpretation. Is that what's what's happening here? Is there my favorite things are not in this, and therefore it's bad
1: for me personally? I Mm -hmm. think that they really did by not including some sub. Subplot things, I think Mm -hmm. that they did really hurt the story. Okay. I think that you needed to include background for him and for her. I think you needed to address she, you know, she has a very close relationship with her stepfather that they never address Mm -hmm. anywhere. You see the stepfather in the first movie for one scene.
0: So there are gaping holes in the narrative here.
1: Huge. So it's huge. not just
0: they 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 took Tom Bombadil's lines and gave him the tree beard. Yes. Yeah. It's you're missing whole sections of the book that further uh, explore these issues and right. give context to what's happening here right. instead of this roller coaster ride through our favorite parts of BDSM.
1: Yeah. No. No. It's exactly. I mean, as I said, like the psychiatrist is a big thing. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge um, window into his damage. Okay. Um, you know, her relationship with her stepfather, cause it's a stepfather, it's not her biological father, um, is a huge insight to her and, you know, her almost like her need to care for him. Um, there's a whole thing where her stepfather is in a really bad car accident and almost dies and it's right at her birthday and it shows how Christian is trying to give her more. Um mm-hmm. because he does all, you know all these things that you know, to take care of her stepdad and you know get all her friends and family to the hospital to throw her like a little bit of a birthday celebration, regardless of the fact that her dad is you know Ill, you know injured and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know his and it's you know, showing him really trying to give her more, okay. which is what she always asked for. So yeah, you miss a whole huge chunk of it because again, you know, when they wrote and directed the movies, they were like, "Oh, this is just about sex," and it's not. And that's what piss. I think I get so annoyed about with any a lot of these books, and it's not just the Fifty Shades books. It's a lot of these books that we're gonna, you know, uh, you know, affectionately refer to as smut. There's plot and there's psychology to them, and there's character building, and mm-hmm. all of these. There's great sex in them too, mm-hmm. but it's so much more than that.
0: And everyone just gets focused on lightsabers.
1: Yeah, exactly. Got exactly. it.
0: Exactly. Um, I, I hope somebody writes a comment. Like, please stop comparing these to my favorite Star Wars things." Like, no. <laughs>
1: I'm Get an it? apple.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs>
0: the Fifty Shades trilogy. It's right up there with the Star Wars trilogy. Yep.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: we have a, a new Fifty Shades. The Empire Strikes Gray. <laughs> and... Return of the Freed.
1: You really are going to have no friends after this. That's the goal. Um, <laughs> love you guys. Great. Right, that means I'm stuck with you more.
0: You love it. All I right. Do. Spe- speaking of things you love, after Anastasia Steele left Christian Gray, he has nightmares, don't you understand, about his abusive childhood. He was having them Main- before. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Meanwhile, Anna begins a new job as an assistant to Jack Hyde <laughs> as an, an editor who they might as well have called Snidely Whiplash, by the yep. way. <laughs> uh, batterton McTies of Damsel to the Train Traxogen. An editor at the Seattle Independent Publishing, <clears throat> whose last three assistants all quit within only 18 months. Dun, dun, dun. Anna runs into Christian at the opening of her friend Jose Rodriguez's pho- photography exhibit. She is dismayed. Christian bought all of Jose's portraits of her. Creep. He wants her back, don't you understand? And agrees to a no rules, no punishments, and no more secrets terms. Yeah, we forgot to talk about that, about, like, she keeps getting him. I mean, we touched on it briefly, but the whole first movie, she's like, will you please tell me what's in, like, like, just like a girl, Melissa. Just like a girl. She's like, why don't you tell me what you're thinking? And he's going, you know.
1: But he doesn't (laughs) want to tell her because, like, in all truthfulness, what's going through his head is his trauma. Mm -hmm. Like in the whole first book, like it makes me laugh and more to think, think that what
0: he was actually doing was, you know, it was the TikTok thing of uh <laughs> Yeah, no, that's
1: not what was happening. Cause in the book they're talking about how he's sitting there and he's thinking about his mom, the crack whore, and the abuse that he took. And like they don't even do a great job of addressing the fact that she can't touch him.
0: Yeah. So she, yeah, that that was also a big part of the first one. Um that they don't want she won't sleep in the same bed as her, stuff like that. Yeah. Um so, yeah, so it's I'm going back and touching on that because this in this movie, she's like, yeah, none of that. I touch you. We talk. You're an actual human being. Not, you know, not not a whip robot. Um, and he's like, Meh, we'll see what happens. Um, he wants her back and agrees to know. Blah, 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 blah. He also tells his birth, mo- tells her that his birth mother was a crack addicted sex worker. Is this the was it this movie or the one previous where he does that whole speech while she's sleeping?
1: The first one. Okay. Uh, That's not what went down. (laughs) That did not happen like that. Got it.
0: As Jack and Anna head for an after work drink, she is approached on the street by a young woman resembling her. Christian arrives at the bar and is cool towards Jack, then quickly departs with Anna. She dismisses Christian's warnings about his reputation and is annoyed that he is considering buying sip. Jack tells Anna he expects her to accompany him on a New York Book Expo trip, but after speaking with Christian, she agrees not to go. Shortly after, Anna again sees the same woman watching them from afar. Christian avoids answering about about her identity, but later explains she is Layla Williams, a former submissive. After their contract ended, she wanted more, but he didn't. Layla married a man who later died, causing a nervous breakdown. She has been stalking them ever since. Prior to Gray's family annual charity ball, Christian takes Anna to Escala, a beauty salon owned by Elena Lincoln, a family friend. She is also Christian's former dominant who introduced him to the BDSM lifestyle by
2: sexually
0: sexually assaulting him when he was a minor. Anna is furious that Christian took her there and that they are business partners after all that. After the ball, Christian's sister Mia mentions that he was expelled from four different schools for brawling. (laughs) He's a toughie.
1: He was, he, that, and that was a whole big thing is that they talked about in the book um, that they didn't address in the mm-hmm. movie where that was part of why Elena introduced him to the lifestyle is because she recognized in him that he needed that control so that he wasn't going to be this, you know, basically end up in jail.
2: Right.
0: Christian tells Anna that his biological mother committed suicide. He was alone with her body for three days before being taken to the hospital where Dr. Grace Treveline, Trevelyan, Trevelyan, Trevelyan,
1: Trevelyan,
0: tributean, Transportation, great work. Uh, she cared for and later adopted the young boy. During the ball, Anna rebuffs Elena's demands that she leave Christian, warning Elena-, Elena to stay away. Arriving home, she and Christian discover Layla has vandalized Anna's car. When Anna tells Jack she won't be attending the expo with him, he attempts to sexually assault her while they are alone at work, but she evades him and escapes. Christian exerts his influence to have Jack fired, and Anna is promoted to acting editor in his place. Christian asks Anna to move in with him, and she agrees. At Anna's apartment, Le- Layla is there waiting for her, threatens her with a gun. Christian and his driver bodyguard, Jason Taylor, enter, and Christian disarms Layla by becoming her dominant once more. Anna, deeply disturbed, seeking his need-to-be-dominant, leaves, returning several hours later. Christian is furious at her unexpected absence but anna needs time to consider their relationship he is he distraught at the idea of anna leaving him submissively drops to his knees confessing he is not a dominant but a sadist who enjoys hurting women who look like his birth mother don't you understand he insists he wants to change christian later proposes but anna needs time to consider anna needs a lot of time to consider things Christian leaves, too. <laughs> Christian leaves on a business trip piloting his own helicopter. An engine failure, because what this really this movie really needed was a plane crash and a survival story. Uh, an engine failure occurs over Mount St. Helens, forcing him to ditch the craft in a heavily forested area. A massive search and rescue ensues, and as Anna t- fearfully waits news, he r- arrives home safely. Anna realizing how much she loves him, accepts his marriage proposal. Because what draws a couple closer than near death experience?
1: Yeah. Except she had already she had already decided to say yes before his business trip. So
0: at Christian's birthday, Elena accuses Anna of being a gold digger. Anna orders her to stop interfering. Christian overhears and dismissively tells Elena she taught him how to f-
2: <laughs> Yep. <laughs> how to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Elena
0: taught him how to. F- <laughs> <laughs> well, Anna taught him how to love. Love. Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: Love. Who are you?
0: I'm Mark. <laughs> Grace Grace overhears the conversation and demands Elena leave for good. Christian also cuts all ties with her. Later that evening, Christian formally proposes to Anna, this time with a ring, and she accepts. As fireworks erupt in the sky, <laughs> Jack Hyde... Uh watches the festivities from afar, silently swearing revenge against them all in the stirring conclusion of Fifty Shades of Mianza. All right. <laughs> so what would you think of this one?
1: It was my favorite of the three.
0: Yeah. This is easy. I go.
1: liked it better. I liked the story. I liked how it played out. Um, it still missed a lot from the book. <laughs> but it, at least to me, did a better job of telling a story. Um mm-hmm. I felt like the acting had improved. I felt like the story itself was stronger. So I did, I did like this one more than the others.
0: What I like about this one is it deals directly with his trauma. Like this, this one felt more like a movie to me than the first one did. Yeah. This one was structured better. The performances are better. This one. I felt like there were
1: character arcs in this one.
0: There were, but I was going to say this whole trilogy is very theme driven. Yeah. It it, it is a movie and people are gonna laugh when I say this. You know, I've now compared this movie to both Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, but here's where people are really gonna have an issue with you're
1: a nerd. (laughs) Um no
0: no, I'm not. Um this movie uh is very idea driven. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot happening in these things. These are not big action set pieces that drive the plot forward. No. Um you know, it's, or it's, it's, giant it's, it's, hurdles for our heroes to overcome as yeah, such. It's a
1: lot of things. It's a lot of inner turmoil.
0: Yeah, it's um and very much you know it's filed under romance, mm. but it's very much a drama. Um, there are ideas pushing the narrative forward. There is a character in Christian Grey wrestling with his subconscious, his trauma. Yeah, and um he is projecting a lot onto. Uh, Anastasia and Anastasia for herself is wrestling with this idea of, well, who am I? Am I the person who needs to be in a relationship where someone exerts control over me? Am I in a relationship where I just like to be tossed around a bit, but I'm really the one in charge of things. I'm running the show. What am I? You know, she's, she is not a character who in the first one had an opportunity to really be in her life as I saw it reflective of her own wants and needs and who which, who she was as a person. She's just seen like a gal doing stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I go to school, I go to work, I pay my rent. And there's not a lot of time for self-reflection there. Right. Tell, tell Shelly you will talk to her later. Um.
1: I, it wasn't <laughs> Shelly. I was honestly I was thinking about I don't have to have my alarm clock on tomorrow.
0: OK, um, we're, we're do, doing a podcast here. I'm going to need you to focus. Thank you. <laughs> um. So she's not a lot. She's she's somebody who doesn't have like a lot of opportunity to really sit back and reflect. Who am I? She does not have that therapeutic journey. And then this guy comes along and now she now she has to. And the in the second movie, I think, does a better job of dealing with both of their struggles with their own mental health, uh, their own sense of self.
1: I mean, it, it at least makes an attempt, unlike the others.
0: Um, well, I'm I'm grading on a curve here.
1: Yeah. It, but that's the thing is like, it, truthfully though, and that's, I'm going to keep saying it. It's going to be like my, you know, when I say I take a drink kind of thing. Um, They're missing the big piece here of the mm-hmm. character of the psychiatrist because be, that's a huge thing. Like, she goes and talks to him and it's mm-hmm. like, I what well, do I need to do? Having not
0: read the books though, I was able to follow along and get it. Like, I don't think if I can sit there and I can extrapolate from him, he's obviously dealing with some stuff and he out yeah. says it here. Well, and there. I mean it was I don't very see how a general audience couldn't with either without having read the books.
1: It was very obvious that he was dealing with stuff though. That's mm-hmm. but right. what I'm but but my point is more that stuff mm-hmm. is more important and they just gloss over it because
2: we
0: need more right? time. We need more whipping time.
1: Right. We need <laughs> to <laughs>
0: And anal bullets, or whatever they're called, anal balls, and other stuff he does. There, I can't, I could not keep track of from what you film the to the next. Wabals? Yeah, the, yeah, um, and whatever else he's like doing to her, and uh, I could not keep track from one movie to the next of the different things that they do because it's not all just you know chips, chips, chains, and whips. He does some other stuff, which is
1: fun. No, he, there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's that Bardol thing on. that
0: he does where he flips her with it.
1: Oh my god, that was really cool, actually. <laughs> the bar,
0: yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a pancake, like a pancake. Um, but uh, I think that's—I think that's a good point. Is that the director seemed to struggle himself with, uh, and the screenwriter struggling himself over what of what of these books do we want to adapt? And and I'm going to throw this out to you. You're a girl, yeah.
1: Yeah, last I checked.
0: Okay. And your friends are girls for the most part, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for checking. Um, okay. And I think in any adaptation, and again, I'll compare it to my own world that I inhabit with the nerds, um, which is, okay, so we're, do, we're doing the Lord of the Rings here. What do we want to put on screen that's going to make the kids happy? Um, you can't get too... Because the, the Tolkien books and, and the movies are... An expression of his dealing with World War One. And there's only so much of that you can put on screen before you've lost people who just want to see Aragorn hit people with a sword. Yeah. Um, translating that to the 50 shades. You know, I think the I think you're right where there there could have been more expressions of his mental health going on in the book and you know, and these things that you've already brought up. But how much of the audience do you think you'll lose if you don't Get a good beating going every fifteen well, that, minutes. Well, and from that's the thing. thing,
1: though, is that you know they made the the choice to focus on the sexual relationship
0: and mm-hmm. the romantic
1: relationship, and which to is not what the feel. kids
0: want. Is my point?
1: Yeah, maybe. I I don't know, but but that maybe that's where I'm a little bit different because I want some subtext and some plot.
2: Are
0: you different? Are you waiting for a prince to rescue you? No. <laughs> Um, you're, Rescue, you're so
1: I don't need to be rescued.
0: You're so different and special. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to <laughs> see. I, I keep my other friends, but I, I but this is so much more fun for me. Why? Because <laughs> it's you. Um,
1: oh, okay.
0: No, but seriously, folks. Um, I I really do need need to spend a minute and, and stress how I think this movie falls into a lot of. I don't know, traps um that a lot of other movies uh, deal with, which is <clears throat> how closely do we want to interpret the book and the subtext and how much do we just want to make a general audience happy? People came to these movies for sex. They didn't necessarily come for an, expo- an exploration of trauma, um even though that's what might have made the reading that much more richer for them right. whether they realized it or
2: not.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, as I said, they made the choice to focus on the sexual relationship and the romantic relationship because that's what sells movie tickets. And I, Mm -hmm. and I, I do as an intellectual understand that it doesn't change my feeling as a reader and an, you know, an enjoyer of the story and of the book.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have any, do you have any idea of like what, how you could have still satisfied the sweatpants wearing groups of you know short-haired women uh and when i mean short-haired i mean really short-haired you know like a pixie cut um <laughs>
1: you are gonna have zero friends um <laughs> who,
0: who would go to see this and like how like, what do you need to do to change this up so that it's a better adaptation of the source material but still satisfies the general audience that wants what they want like what, what What subtle changes do you, t- do you make? I
1: mean, I think that you explore kind of, I think you give, and I know this isn't fun to watch, but like you give them more conversation because the other mm-hmm. side of it is when I watch this or when I think, when I reflect on it, they don't talk a lot.
0: No, talking is boring and books are for burning.
1: Yeah, and so I feel like that's part of it is like, Maybe you know exploring some of the
0: God. Can, can you imagine if this was a more talking movie? People, women walking out of that were just like, "Oh my god, there was so much talking and not enough sex in this thing." Yeah, and, um, that, and
1: that's and it's like, but again, it goes back to I do understand why they made them the way they made them.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: doesn't mean I like it, it. Doesn't mean that's what I wanted. But you I, I think
0: you know what I think would have made the second one better. What music. Better music, Melissa Rattledge. don't you understand?
1: I, I get it. I get it.
0: And do you know there was where? Some,
1: there was some actually pretty decent music in all three of them
0: yeah um in the second one what's the best what's the best song you think in the second oh i don't
1: remember now there was one though that when it's played i looked at you and i was like oh i love this song i don't remember what it was though well
0: what well if you're true if you're watching a movie and you're like i really like that song and you'll want to hear it right this very second right now even do you know where you can do that melissa Radledge of the screaming boy podcast
1: (laughs) i don't mark where do i go
0: you can go to Amazon Music Unlimited. Yes, we are giving away a free 30-day trial of all my ad reads are very tortured just so you know that. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Again, it's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network for your free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Go to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network You hear all the smutty music that you can find in the Fifty Shades trilogies. And when you're done with that smutty Music, you can you can find all the music that they feature in TikToks, on TikTok radio, on Sirius XM.
1: Oh my god, thank God you said that because I was gonna tell you that's your children's new favorite radio station.
0: <laughs> TikTok radio. Yes! Our culture is, is going crazy. over the falls in a barrel. I um,
1: was just begging to listen to it this morning.
0: <laughs> I have no son. All right. Um <laughs> let's wrap this up we have one more movie to go here 50 shades freed like i said this the second chapter here 50 shades darker is at is far and away the best of the bunch yeah the the first one is probably the worst this one is not a badly directed film and so it's superior than the first one every it, it's a continuation of the craft elements of the second one that remain consistent and depending on how much your mileage varies here good, bad, or indifferent. There is no shift in quality. However, this third one, I think loses the plot a bit. <clears throat> and I remember thinking about this when I saw this with Heather a couple of years back. Um, again, having, having not seen the first two, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm you know i being dragged to this thing where this woman gets beat for 90 minutes. All right, I got it. I'm, I'm good. I, I watched the story of, oh, I'm good with this. And... <laughs> That's classy BDSM literature, ladies and gentlemen. There's the no story consent. of
2: consent.
0: It's classy.
1: Nope. <laughs> Lacks consent.
0: It's implied. Anyway. <laughs> so um, I was so I'm watching this thing and it's and it's like they have a mustache twirly villain who's trying who's trying to kill her and get revenge because he has been wronged in a former life. Don't you understand? And like I was like, this is really dumb.
1: Oh, I love that! I love that it took it from being just a smutty story uh-huh. to like a thriller. I loved that.
2: There was a better that was thriller.
1: I liked the same thing about in the in in darker. I well, loved hey, the Lula thing.
0: I'll read the plot synopsis in just a second, but there's a better story here that they only touch upon, and, and they get there at the very very end. But I think. Had they got to it sooner, I think it's a better movie. Like, like we don't need Jack Hyde getting revenge for a life that was taken from him. I think the natural transition for uh, Christian from sadist to partner to father, I think completes the trilogy. And we don't get there until, like, they, when she tells him that she's pregnant, They'd some of that but because they're so distracted with this other stupid story that they don't really deal with it in any kind of significant way and so then at the end it's like oh look and he became a good dad but there was like i wish they had spent i wish he got pregnant in the first act and the second and third act is him you know getting past his own stuff and being a father that to me would have been a much better movie read the book because, no, you can't just say, read the book. You're on but
1: a podcast that, where people that's talk. That's really what went down in the book. Okay, so explain. In the, okay, so in the book, like the Jack Hyde stuff was kind of always kind of in the background, but they didn't realize mm-hmm. it was him. Um, She finds out she's pregnant relatively early on in the book. And... um,
0: I am a genius.
1: Yeah, and he <laughs> freaks out and goes running back to Elena. And she... Gets pissed because like you're supposed to find comfort with me. I'm your wife.
0: Let well, we do a and little she, bit of that in the movie.
1: Yeah, very little bit. But like she does, like there's this whole thing with her. You know, basically, you know, I'm gonna leave kind of thing because right. you're right. If I have to choose between you and this baby, I'm gonna choose the baby every time. Right. Um, and that sparks other issues, which is why when she goes to the bank to get the money mm-hmm. to pay off Jack it comes across so badly for christian because she literally had just said to him you know and talked about like yeah i'm gonna walk away and so the jack hyde stuff kind of goes down and there's a whole part of the book after the jack hyde stuff ends where she's pregnant and he's coming to terms with it and loving it and actually you know and and you know watch in her sitting there watching him be such a great dad and you know, her being pregnant again with another child. And, you know, so the way they ended it, like there was a little bit more book.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, that would have been a much better movie instead of the nonsense that we got here. So let's get into the nonsense. Um, so, Fifty Shades Freed, this came out uh, February 9th, 2018. Hey, I'm sensing a pattern here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all come out around Valentine's Day. Because- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this had a $55 million budget. This made $372 million, so a little less than the last one, but still a rousing success. A Star Wars, a Lord of the Rings, uh <laughs> Marvel success, if you will. <laughs> Anywho. Um,
1: How does Robert Winfrey put up with you? Ah, uh, crap.
0: Sorry, I'm getting... Uh, Someone someone who's watching this on YouTube is trying to send us messages. Um <laughs> whoopsie. Anyway, uh, how does he put up with me? We don't talk only but once a week. <laughs> <laughs> he does he does what he needs to. He you know, he fillets himself in a corner and then he's like, all right, I'm ready for uh, now. I can cupidity. handle it. Yeah, now I can handle it. Um he should ask Ronnie, how does he handle me? He only podcasts with me once a month. Um <laughs> so anyway uh so this came in at 105 minutes um i guess i continue to be directed by james foley newlyweds christian and anastasia are forced to cut their honeymoon short and return home after receiving news of a break-in at his corporate headquarters some computer files were stolen and security camera tapes identify the perpetrator as jack high dun 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 (laughs) and his former boss who was fired for sexual assault meanwhile Anna is introduced to her new personal security team. Uh, Christian surprises Anna with a new house and has hired an attractive architect, Gia Mateo. This is a great scene, by the way, uh, to rebuild it for her. She is annoyed when Gia openly flirts with him in her presence. Anna privately threatens to fire Gia if she keeps it up, forcing her to stop. Hey, you quit being a bitch. Uh, When Christian is away on a business trip, Anna disregards his wishes that he stay at home and meets her friend Kate Kavanaugh for a drink. Kate is dating Christian's older brother, Elliot, and fears Elliot may have been having an affair with Gia, his business associate. Jack Hyde attempts to kidnap Anna when she gets home, in the worst kidnapping attempt I've ever seen. Anna's security team subdues him, and he is arrested. After arguing with Christian about her night out with Kate, Anna berates him for being overly controlling and possessive and demands more freedom in her BDSM relationship soon after he surprises her with a trip to aspen because that's how you win a fight ladies and gentlemen bribery when
1: you're, when you're worth billions of dollars yeah
0: uh is that what i have to do mm-hmm. to like to win fights with you is i have to give you gifts yep cool got it um bah, 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 bah. uh bringing along kate Elliot, mia jose slopey Slopey DP, george and Elliot proposes to Kate, who accepts it. It revealed that Gio was only helping Elliot choose the ring. The newlyweds continue their erotic sexual experimentation, but it becomes complicated when Anna announces she is pregnant, like you do. Christian is deeply disturbed, no kidding, saying he had other plans for their early years together. He leaves, going on a night long drunken bender. After he returns, Anna discovers that Christian had texted her and met his ex lover and former BDSM dominant Elena Lincoln. She becomes angry with him and locks herself in the player room for the night. He searches for Anna in the morning and they continue arguing. It's a great scene. Also another great scene. Her, her giving him the cold shoulder in her underpants. Her sexy, sexy underpants. Yep. With Anna telling Christian how important the baby is for her. Shortly after Hyde released on a $500,000 bond, phones uh, Anna demanding a ransom for Mia, Christian's abducted sister. Hyde demands $5 million in cash in two hours. And threatens to kill her if her demands are not met. His demands are not met. He warns Anna to tell no one and bring the money alone. Anna takes a check, book, and revolver from Christian's desk and goes to the bank to withdraw the full amount. The suspicious bank manager calls Christian. Because why wouldn't he? He thinks Anna is leaving him, but then he notices it coincides with Hyde's recent release. Mia's unknown whereabouts and Anna's sudden large cash withdrawal. Hyde instructs Anna to get into the car parked in the alley and hand over her phone to the driver to discard... She tricks Hyde by taking the bank manager's phone and slipping her own phone into the bag of money. She exits the back, <clears throat> she exits the back entrance to discover that the driver and Jack's complex is her co-worker, Liz. Anna arrives at the drop-off site with the money. Hyde, psychotic and ventral, attacks her, kicking her in the abdomen. Yeah, that was a rough scene to watch. Yeah. Liz uh, the, tries to... The
1: book was more descriptive.
0: Yikes. Liz tries to stop him as Anna pulls out the revolver and shoots him in the leg. Christian and his security team... Will electronically track Anna's cell phone and arrive and apprehend Hyde and Liz. Anna blacks out as she hears Christian's voice. Anna awakens three days later in the hospital with Christian at her side. Though angry at her recklessness and still anxious about her fatherhood, about fatherhood, he realizes how important the baby is to her and they reconcile. Christian's adoptive mother, Grace, assures him that Anna will not leave him. She returns home the next day. Christian's private investigator, Welch, has left a report showing that Christian and Hyde had shared the same foster family, though he has no memory of this. Hyde was envious of Christian being adopted by the wealthy Gray family instead of him. Hyde also blackmailed Liz into being his accomplice. Christian and Anna also find out where his uh, birth mother is buried. They visit her grave and he lays flowers on it. With Christian playing his piano, Anna walks through the hallway to uh, to the living room to watch Christian. As she's watching him, flashbacks killing the runtime of this movie. Of Christian and Anna's time together is shown with Love Me Like You Do, which is available on Amazon Music Unlimited playing Anna then decides she wants to play she sends him a text message getting his attention as Christian joins Anna in the playroom the music continues to play as Christian shuts the door right after you see Anna smile seven months later Christian and Anna have a son named Teddy and three years later Anna is pregnant with their second child all right hit me lady what do you think of this one
1: what do you mean I mean it was it was fine it was it was fine um it was fine it was fine
0: it was fine it was fine, it was fine. Yes, things can be fine.
1: Not my but it doesn't mean they're great.
0: It's, no, fine is definitely not great. Fine is fine.
1: Fine is it's okay. Fine. Still hate fine it.
0: Fine is not the worst thing ever.
1: No, it's but I don't love it.
0: No, no. Fine is not to be loved or hated. It's just fine. It's just okay. <laughs> it's not a one or it's not a one or a ten. It's a five. Five and fine. Very similar in the... go on.
2: Anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It was fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I liked some aspects of it. I liked how it kind of stepped away from all of the sex and and had that thriller element to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I like how you see Anna really put her foot down and be like, no. And actually, you know, you've had the background of the three posters. It's really funny when you look at them because the first one, he's on top. Mm-hmm. The second one, they're together. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty yeah. mutual. And then the last one, she's on top because I she's think that that's the one from
0: the bottom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, but she does. She kind of realizes that she has. Control and she has power in this relationship. Yeah, um, and and she starts to kind of assert herself, and I really like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, I think so. I, I'm going to reflect on the th- the three times I stopped during the plot synopsis. The uh, the fight that they have where she's like, "This baby is important to me. I need you to get on board with this." Yeah. Not only that, but this is something that you and I have talked about, even in our personal lives, that like you have a problem. Your partner should not just be the person that you married or, you know, that you, whatever. They're your partner. They're the person you're supposed to confide in and talk to and work things out with. You know, a partnership is one of talking and and working through things. And so he has a lot of stuff that's triggered within him when she reveals that she's pregnant. And instead of going to her and saying, hey, I'm nuts. I don't know if I can be a good father because I'm nuts. He, goes, I don't have,
1: I didn't have a childhood. I, he
0: essentially go, dives into a bottle, yeah. you know, it, it's with it's
1: his, his ex,
0: yeah. Well, and I'm that's a when I say dive into the bottle, I mean a euphemism for all of that, yeah. You know, it, it you go immediately to your worst vices, right? Um, because you, you don't. You don't want to feel the uncomfortableness of the, of the situation, the pain, the, the you know, the, those emotions that are being triggered with this situation are so uncomfortable and so unnerving that you feel the need to go to the things that numb you. Yeah. And she's like, this is not a way to get healthy. This is not the foundation of a strong relationship. And he, for, you know, as, um, uh, for as suave, as he is portrayed, um, is very emotionally stunted.
1: Yes. He's traumatized.
0: Yeah. And so for him, you know, you took away the veneer of the money and, you know, and and the projection of his, um, you know, the way that he is perceived by others. And on inside again is going back to the beginning of this conversation. This very broken guy who, you put a little bit of weight on him and the whole foundation just crumbles to pieces, which is one of the things I liked about this movie.
2: Yeah.
0: Is that. Again, once you, when, once we stop having sexy playtime and you just start doing a character study, you see this, you know, you're really, I like when the movie focuses on him because yeah. she's not that interesting.
1: No, <laughs> but, you know, it's so funny because I do see, I see the lines drawn between mm-hmm. Twilight and this. And same thing. I always thought Bella Swan was a really flat character who. But see, basically-
0: I thought, I, I, but I think focusing on her and her, and her arc and, you know, into finding herself and her spine and, and every, you know, and fixing what's broken inside her is, was the draw of Twilight. And she was just bookended by sexy men with abs.
1: No, because I, I, don't, I don't think f- she ever fixed anything in herself. But that yeah,
0: became, at the end, she became, a, she became an Avenger. That's how I remember that movie. I mean, granted, okay. it was a dream sequence, but...
1: Anyway. Um, but no, but that's the thing I do think with this is that you do see that mm-hmm. change in him
2: mm-hmm.
1: and him going from this sadist...
0: Dakota Johnson's character is an agent of change for him. Yes. And I think everyone thinks that this is going to be about da- Dakota Johnson because the Twilight books were about Bella Swan, yeah. about Kristen Stewart. But this is really about this guy, and his, and over the course of three films, his arc. Yes. And that's the thing I like about it. I mean, are, are these the world's greatest movies I've ever seen? Are they right up there with the Lord of the Rings for me? Oh God, no. no. But um, they're better than Star Wars, though. Anyway.
1: Um... <laughs> <laughs> that was that shots was fired. <laughs> that was a statement.
0: So I've been watching The Mandalorian for the past, not The Mandalorian. I've been watching The Book of Boba Fett for the past few days. I'm annoyed. So <laughs> every shot that I can take, I will. Um, but no, I, are these the world's greatest movies I've ever seen based on, you know, based on scripture? No, of course not. But I do think there is a interesting story here with a guy that I'm interested in. Yeah. And not just because, and, and not for the reasons that women might be attracted to him, but more because he he is somebody dealing with childhood sexual trauma. Um, childhood childhood
1: band- it was physical abuse.
0: I'm sorry, if you're in a if you're in a sexual relationship at 15 years old, there's sexual yeah. trauma going on. Um, but physical abuse, abandonment, all of those things, and him trying to work through those those things over the course of three movies. Um, I think one could be forgiven for not wanting that kind of thing in this sort of picture, but the it's there, it's what it's what's it's in the a books, more as you said. Story. Yeah, it does make for a more richer and interesting story. So um just because I you know I told you we would we would keep things to about 90 minutes. Anything else about this third? I will tell you, um, because I mentioned it during the plot synopsis, the end sequence where he's kicking her in the abdomen. I thought she was gonna lose that baby. I was like, that that was rough to watch. I did not enjoy that.
1: I'm sure you didn't, but yeah, I mean, and that's you know, for me, it was like, I knew I knew it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really important because in all of the other books books although they didn't necessarily do a great job of covering these in the movies there was usually some sort of hospitalization that took place with someone gotcha and and that you know how that fear of losing somebody really helped to yeah there's a lot of
0: attachment them. issues in these movies
1: yes with all of them mm-hmm. um you know Anastasia Steele has she had attachment issues too which they never addressed in the movies but is addressed in the book
0: yeah i can i can see it, the subtext of these movies <clears throat> but to your point, there's probably more in, in the books to mine that just isn't there. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you the last word on this trilogy as a whole. Anything left unsaid? Anything that we didn't cover? Just want I mean, to sum, sum up your thoughts.
1: I, I think that people need to take these for what they are, which is escape fiction. Mm-hmm. And they're enjoyable and they're fun. Um, this We're not talking about stuff that's going to get studied down the road this isn't dickens you know
0: it could be a hundred years from now get out your literature books tonight we're going to discuss e.l stein whatever the hell her name is um. James.
1: well then if that's the reality there's some much better authors that we should be studying but that's beside the point
2: okay
1: um you know they're fun and mm. um they definitely helped to they definitely helped to create a genre um you know, there's been quite a few books that I've read, and as I read them, I laugh. Um, so, what are you
0: what are you reading now?
1: Oh, besides gosh. the
0: story of O, which you won't finish because it's too much for you. Then I block you for Christmas.
1: I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> consent is consent is real. Have um, you started
0: reading the Dirty Sleeping Booty books yet?
1: No, those are on anyway. my. It's really hard to read physical books um, because I don't always have them with me.
2: Gotcha. Um,
1: so right now I'm reading some stupid book with a soccer player did um, you start emmanuel
0: i also got you emmanuel i Christmas. started
1: that i've yeah. gotten through like the first chapter or two and
0: <laughs> okay so emmanuel in the story of o a bit rough eh
1: yeah Emmanuel is more of just because it's 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 smut i mean mm. there, there's no classic literature about it. it's smut <laughs> um,
0: it's the classiest of literature
1: no <laughs> no um, but no, okay. So I just I, really truthfully what I'm really, I'm reading it's fantasy romance right now. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's my, my, my favorite author is this woman, Scarlett St. James. Mm-hmm. She did a whole mm-hmm. thing with Scarlett and or with, Scarlet, with Persephone and Hades, um, that I absolutely loved. And they really were like, those are my, those were my gateway. And like, okay. I read those thanks to my friend and I'm obsessed, but she's got a new book out. It's called Kingdom of Battle and Blood. Okay. Um, that involves... These are like
0: high fantasy smut books?
1: Yeah, it really... Okay. Yeah, it's a vampire and, you know, taking over kingdoms and all that kind of stuff, which is really fun. Um, mm-hmm. And not my normal, but I enjoy sure. it. Often. But yeah, now so you're I... You're really, like two
0: or three... You're two or three steps away from playing D&D at this point.
1: To a point, but I'm learning <laughs> that that's like a huge thing in people who read romance or Mm -hmm. spicy books spicy books Uh, you know that's the better because they're not romance they're spicy yeah um that's like a huge thing um it's not part of the
0: greater nerd culture
1: yeah it's not my big like that's not my big trope but Mm -hmm. a lot of people like it so Um, all right
0: well you are now a part of the rat broadcasting cult i mean network i've Um, always been a
1: part of the network come on mvp
0: and the that's right that's what jason called you earlier the mvp uh so did you have fun did you like did you you know did i always
1: like doing this with you it's fun you never
0: like doing it um you you no, avoided no. it in the past because no. it, i had nothing of value to add to a conversation and i and we went over almost 90 minutes here and you had plenty to say
1: yeah but it's so, i i get very careful because i don't want to say the wrong thing <laughs>
0: like 90 minutes of me you know tweaking the nipples of Star Wars fans. I don't know what I, I don't know. I don't know if there is a wrong thing on this podcast other than something that might get us thrown off of YouTube for a third time. Um <laughs> so I want to bring you on here for a comic strip. Okay. Okay. Cause you because I didn't know this until recently when I was looking through my list of movies based on comic on graphic novels. Oh I know the, what you're talking about. The ten uh how to lose a guy in ten days. Ten days actually based on a based on a book. I mean, it, they call it a graphic novel. It's a bunch of stick figures and yeah. like and you know and just rules for how to lose a guy, and it's hilarious. It, it, it's like it, I. We I remember listening
1: a, to you read it when we had family reading time, and you were right, like and
0: that's like twenty minutes, right? Twenty minutes yeah. on a school night. So so okay, so I finished it in twenty to thirty minutes. So I want you to read it,
1: okay. and then we have to
0: talk about how to lose a guy in ten days. Okay. Where does that rank for you in terms of silly rom coms?
1: um not one of my favorites i mean i've seen it it's fine it's just not one of my favorites i um kate hudson is great but she's not my person okay um like if i'm gonna watch a rom-com like i love sandra bullock rom-coms okay um and well, reese when sandra bullock
0: is in something that has a graphic novel we'll talk about okay. it
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's her for me it's her or reese witherspoon like those are my gotcha. if i'm gonna watch a rom-com like that's who i like to watch or drew barrymore
0: okay well um, can i can I get a commitment out of you live and on the air in front of millions and millions of my viewers that you'll come back on and do ten uh, how to lose a guy in ten days.
1: I will do how to lose a guy in ten days.
0: What about secretary? Just kidding. Um,
1: <laughs> we are not speaking of that movie again.
0: This is too artsy fartsy for you.
1: It was just effed up.
0: Well, speaking of effed up, here's my schedule for the week. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so, Jason, I, I leave
1: to go to Sarah's now?
0: by the time i'm done with my plugs you'll be done with sarah for the weekend i
1: might be there
0: all right um after the super bowl myself and jason teasley the protocol son we reviewed national champions american underdog and we are marshall um speaking of graphic novels that were turned into movies myself and ronnie adams spent valentine's day together kissing and hugging and we talked about marry me starring jennifer lopez and owen wilson based on the bobby crosby book um and then speaking of artsy fartsy films Myself and Robert Winfrey, uh, we reviewed Big Bug from Netflix, which is a French movie by the director of Amelie, and the new Steven Soderbergh jam called Kimmy, starring Zoe Kravitz of The Batman. Uh, Last night we reviewed the next album in the Lordy Versity box set, Lordy Humanimals. Hey Melissa, yeah. Do you have the box set? Do you have the box set, Melissa? (laughs) Running gags, I love them. Do you like John Cena? Do you you have the box set? If you play any part of this podcast for Sarah, just play, this, just play the podcast. I, I,
1: will, I will make sure.
0: <laughs> this weekend, we've got a loaded weekend for you. Uh, we've got a re-airing of the Body Count Manslaughter review that we did a few years back for Black History Month. Uh, we'll be doing an alternative commentary for the uh, Elimination Chamber coming directly from Saudi Arabia. And then, because my wife is not around, so I don't have to rush to bed. Uh, instead, I'll be burning the midnight oil with Harry Broadhurst. Uh, and we will be reviewing AIW, All Intense Wrestling. You know what? I'm not leaving. And Impact, No Surrender, featuring Moose versus the former Big Kaz, now known as W. Morrissey. And then on Sunday, once again, loaded up here, of a re-airing of our Beverly Hills Cop trilogy, Long Road to Ruin for Black History Month. Also for Black History Month, myself and Jason Teasley will be looking at uh, acclaimed director Spike Lee, We'll be reviewing Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X and Old Boy, which was an unpleasant movie. And then in theory, the Life is like a game show guys are going to be joining me for an on-trial for the movie Quiz Show. So that's what I got going on uh, last week, this week, and next week. Hey Melissa, you got any plugs? Yeah. You got you got a Twitter, you got a you got a handmade jewelry, you got a you got d campaign that you're doing on nope. Twitch, you got nope. a Twitch channel, you got Definitely anything?
1: Probably not. You nope. got a TikTok? Nope.
0: Don't you have a TikTok?
1: I don't post any. I just <laughs> yeah. watch them.
0: You, know, you, 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 you don't uh, just point at things yelling emotional damage?
1: No, that's my <laughs> everyday life.
0: <laughs> just put, just showing your camera. To keep I people. just walk
1: around listening to seven-year-olds going, Oh, no, my table. It's broken. All day long.
0: And if people want to find you and talk more smutty books, where can they find you? Uh. Mm. <laughs> On the internet somewhere.
1: yeah, I tend to keep a lot of my stuff private. look, I am a teacher. <laughs> so a lot of my stuff is private.
0: Okay, so you have zero plugs and zero social media and uh-huh. shut up I
1: mean I, I have Twitter, I just don't use it. I have Instagram. I put but pictures. You, okay Facebook but, is really like nothing you want to
0: tell people about where they can find you So this nope. entire point this entire segment of the podcast was utterly pointless.
1: For me yeah.
0: all righty. well, look
1: if people really want to get in touch with me, just get in touch with you.
0: <laughs> no, no, no one talked to me. Um,
1: Do you have fun? Yeah. I always have fun talking to you.
0: Okay. Well, I love you. Oh,
1: I love you too.
0: And I'm so happy you did this. This was this was the best podcast I've ever done ever. <laughs> this was fantastic. <laughs> what, are you, what are you
1: working out for here, man?
0: Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Not <laughs> sucking up at all. No. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us on the long road to ruin of the 50 Shades trilogy. That's my lovely wife, Melissa. Somewhere around here are my children. (laughs) Now the whole family's involved in in on the act. I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.